0: Everybody okay today? Yeah, that was kind of weak. Is everybody okay? All right, let's. You know, I think we need to get people all geared up before service. You know, like you know, I got everybody all excited because you guys kind of look kind of sleepy now. And if you're sleepy before the sermon begins, that doesn't bode well uh, because once I start speaking, you'll all be like laying in the in in the chairs asleep, and and that's not good. You know, that's why we move to chairs. Chairs are a lot harder to to lay down and take a nap in. And so that's why we've done that in this church, uh, to avoid sleeping. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. And it's just a short scripture. And let's read this together, okay? Read this with me. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Lord, apply your word to our hearts. Um, May it not just be words that we're hearing, but may it affect how we live in the midst of sometimes difficult circumstances. May we be people of faith, people who give you praise, regardless of what we're going through. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Of course, we've been examining the life of um, Joseph, and we've been talking about Joseph for the, the last, this will be the fourth week of talking about Joseph And so I thought it'd be good just to kind of go back to the scripture that we began our series in. And, you know, this is a powerful phrase, powerful scripture that I hope uh, animates how you live your life. It animates your faith. I hope it gives you hope even in the midst of difficulties because life's not always easy. Amen? (laughs) Okay, we're going to have to do a lot better than that, okay? I I was gone last week, and so you had a free week. But I'm back this week, and I'm really demanding life's not always easy is it amen. amen right and so we've been dealing with this the, the circumstances of life through the lens of joseph and we this, the theme of the series or the, the one constant in the series is this god is bigger than my circumstances whatever you're going through today god is bigger than those circumstances let's say this together god is bigger than my circumstances So whatever you faced last week, whatever you're going to face in the coming week, whatever you think is going to happen, whatever you're afraid is going to happen. Anybody ever hear somebody say that um, uh, 80% of what you're afraid is going to happen doesn't happen? Anybody ever hear that phrase or something like that? You know, that phrase bothers me because that means 20% of what I'm worried about does happen, right? Right. Uh, You know life's not always easy we go through difficult circumstances but God is bigger than whatever circumstance we're going through and that's easy to believe sitting in a church on a Sunday morning but in the midst of the difficulties in the midst of the circumstances if we were honest we would say sometimes we forget that right? It's easy for me to believe when God, and Josh is going through difficult circumstances, it's very easy for me to say, Josh, God is bigger than your circumstances, and believe it and say it and give all those little platitudes of advice that we give in those circumstances. And sometimes those little bits of advice are received well and sometimes not so well. But it's not so easy to deal with that when you're in the midst of the storm yourself. And so God is bigger than our circumstances, and, but, but sometimes it's difficult to hold on to that, particularly when we're facing unexpected things, uh, you know, things that just pop out of nowhere. I, I, I wrote in your notes, unexpected circumstances can leave us confused. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> Where You know, the, the circumstances are such that you're just like... You know, you're lost, you're confused, it's like you can't even get your bearings. I've been there. You know, I've been in the midst of storms, and it's, it's almost as if, you know, you almost feel dizzy at times. You feel lost. You're asking that question, how in the world did I get in this circumstance? Now, I've got, because you guys have been so well behaved in this service so far, I've got a gift for you. Say, thank you, Pastor, right? You guys are, get excited, okay, please? Just get excited for me. you remember, yesterday I ran thirteen point one miles. Okay, and when I say I ran, that's very—that's a very liberal phrase in the way I run. But I'm really tired today and sore, and you know I, I need you guys. Everybody go, oh yeah. But I need you guys to really be excited today, okay? But I've got to, this is a minute long. It's it's short and it's silly, uh, but we'll get serious later. Here's here's a, a video that shows people in unexpected circumstances. Go ahead. It was really funny, <laughs> yeah, it was the best video you'd ever seen, and we'll play it some other time, go ahead, Barry, we can just go back to the sermon, um, everybody, oh, just back to the sermon, that's okay, just go back to the PowerPoint, if I had a joke, I would tell it now, but I don't, so we'll just move on, okay, you know, life can be like this, unexpected. <laughs> And it can leave us confused of what to do, what to say, where to go next. Uh, Isn't that true? I mean, unexpected things. This is an unexpected thing. You you expect one thing to happen, something else happens. And unexpected circumstances can leave us confused. And, And we have these expectations for life. And when life does not work out like we expect... When we don't get that promotion or when we, we don't keep that job or when our 401k doesn't do as well as we thought it would do, then there's sometimes anger. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been angry, okay? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we're confused, sometimes there's sorrow, sometimes there's depression, Uh, but all of these emotions come into being, come into play. We are emotional people. Most of us have emotions that we deal with, and unmet expectations, particularly the real serious things in life, affect us to the core of our being. They affect us emotionally, And, and we've been examining This ideal of how we live consistently with the ideal that God is bigger than my circumstances, regardless whether my circumstances are good or bad. And God is bigger than your circumstances, whether your circumstances are good or bad, right? This isn't just about bad times. It's good times. God is bigger and more worthy of praise and faith than anything you'll ever have in your life, regardless of your circumstances. And we've been dealing with this idea of how do we live consistently with that ideal through the lens, through the story, through the narrative of Joseph. Which is an amazing story that in the book of Genesis, more time is spent dealing with the story of Joseph than any other Part of the story more than the story of Abraham they focus on the story of Joseph and 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 I think part of the reason that is is because Joseph uh, faces very squarely this ideal what to do when life turns out differently than we expect and it's written to people who are dealing with exile or wandering in the wilderness and trying to make sense of life not working out exactly like they thought Um, just just curious whose life has not worked out exactly as you thought raise your hand (laughs) right (laughs) so joseph's his favored son just retracing the story just a little bit you know he gets the, the coat of many colors the real pretty coat and and, and so it created just a, a deep unity within the family unit. <laughs> uh, of course, Joseph is not well liked because of the code of many colors, and then besides that, he has this dream where, in essence, in the dream, his brothers and his dad are going to be bowing down before him, and so the brothers get upset at Joseph, and they see him coming while they're they're shepherding him in a field, and they beat him up, throw him in a pit, then sell him into slavery, and Joseph ends up a slave in Potiphar's house. We talked about this, and he does well for a while, then Potiphar. Oliver's wife uh, shows up on the scene and tries to entice him. He says no and runs from her and, and she accuses him of misdeeds and they throw him into the prison. And last week, Pastor Joe uh, shared with you uh, Joseph in the prison. And um, uh, Joseph just continues to thrive and serve wherever he's planted. He's thriving and serving. And, and so he rises even in the prison to this place of esteem. And part of his time in prison, he interprets these dreams for these cupbearer and this baker. The baker ends up being beheaded, and the cupbearer ends up back in Pharaoh's service. And it's in the context of this that we find Joseph. He's in prison. He's given this favorable dream interpretation to a cupbearer who's in the presence of Pharaoh. But the cupbearer forgets about Joseph and doesn't say anything to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh has these dreams, and in these dreams, there's seven fat cows and out of the Nile comes seven lean, skinny cows. And these, who had a dream like this last night? I'm just curious. Anybody? Have? These seven skinny cows ate these seven fat cows. And then he had another dream, and there's seven real fat ears of, of grain. And, and, and these seven fat grain ears of grain, uh, there's seven lean that come out and eat the seven fat so Pharaoh's trying to figure out what, what does this dream mean? So he asks all of his wise men and magicians and sorcerers and, and Yul Brynner, all these Egyptians, you know, that we know of. And, and, and none of them can interpret Pharaoh's dream. And, and in the midst of this, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. He says, oh, there was this guy, this Hebrew in prison that interpreted my dreams. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph, and Joseph interprets the dream. And he says, it's not I that interpret dream, dreams, but God interprets dreams. But let me tell you what this means. It means that there will be seven years of excess. Your, your, your planting, your harvesting will be great. And then there will be seven years of that's terrible, a terrible drought. And, and, and the seven years will be so bad that, that the excess of the previous seven years will be ate away and become nothing. And, and you, you had this dream twice because God is set that this is going to happen. And so he says, Pharaoh, here's what you need to do. You need to plan Good idea, right? Uh, you, you need to, to store, you need to get some silos, you need to get some storage bins, and out of the excess, you need to put it away so that when you have the years of drought, you'll have food. Pharaoh says, Joseph, that's a great ideal. You're a wise guy, and, and what, what I'd like you to do is just be second command. You, you'd be my prime minister, and you carry this plan to full. And so that's what happens. For seven years... Joseph is all over Egypt, and he's building silos, he's, he's getting the excess crops, and he's in, he's in place of Pharaoh, making sure they have a surplus when there's a drought. Then the drought happens. And, and, the, and the frame goes back to Jacob, Joseph's family, Joseph's brothers. And, and Jacob wakes up one morning, and he looks at his, his ten sons, 11 sons and he says you 10 there's grain in Egypt you need to get out of your seat and go to Egypt and get the old man some food okay and so th- they say well okay and he sa- he doesn't want to take Benjamin because Benjamin's the the youngest one and he's the only one left from this mother and and they've already lost Joseph so he sends the 10 to Egypt so, so the ten find themselves in Joseph's presence. And Joseph is the prime minister. He is, is the second in command in Egypt. And his brothers come in. And you know Joseph is this clean-cut Egyptian-looking fellow. And here come these bearded Hebrews, these shepherds, uh, these, these wanderers in essence, into his presence. And he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And if you've read the story, and I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have read this story at all, Joseph, in essence, it's almost like he begins to treat his brothers like we would treat our brothers if we were in a similar circumstance, right? He messes with them just a little bit, it seems like. Joseph begins, you guys are spies, even though he knows who they are, you're spies, you're here, you're just scouting the land, you're, you're, you're trying to find out where we're weak, and, and he repeats this over and over. Eventually, he puts all of his brothers in custody or in jail of some type for three days. You know, in the midst of this, he, he, um, he, he, he begins to, to, to just continue to, to accuse them, and, and, and they deny. And then after three days, he brings them out. He um, fills their bags with grain, but then he puts the money back in, top, in the top of the bags and sends them back to their father. He keeps one brother, Simeon, in prison and says, you know, come back with Benjamin and you can have Simeon back. So the brothers leave. And quite frankly, can you know, honestly, as you assess scripture, they leave Simeon with no intention of ever coming back and getting him. Because they know Jacob will never let him bring Benjamin back to Egypt. So they get back and they give their father the, the, the food and, and the, the grain. And they pour it out. When they pour it out, there's the money. And you know, what, what's going on? You know, th- th- this guy will never give us more food. This guy will never believe us. He-, he thinks that we stole the food and stole our money back. There's no way we can ever go back. So after a while, of course, they ran out of food again, and and so Jacob says, "Hey, you guys got to go back and get more food." And we can't, we can't, not without Benjamin, not without Benjamin. And and so he allows Benjamin to go back to Egypt with the ten brothers, gives double the money give some gifts for the pharaoh for the for the for joseph their brother that they do not know and they go back into joseph's presence and joseph prepares when they get back they 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 go to joseph's house and there's this big feast and benjamin is fed five times or gets five times the portions of the other brothers you know he just continues to kind of you know can you imagine all the emotions all the wondering talk about unexpected circumstances right You know, the brothers are kind of dealing with this themselves, these unexpected circumstances. And and they have this big feast, he gives them their food, and and then Joseph sends them on their way. But but once again, he puts their money back in their bag. And not only that, he takes his cup and he puts his cup, his personal cup, in Benjamin's bag. So they overtake them and and say, you guys have not only taken your money again, they accuse them of taking their money, but you've taken the master's cup. And, of course, they deny, and, but in the search of the bag, they find the cup in Benjamin's bag. And they're back before Joseph, broken, worried. <laughs> you know, in the midst of this, that they've talked about this brother they've lost. As a matter of fact, at one point, they talk about this brother that they've lost, uh, that, that they mistreated and, and Joseph realizing, hearing, understanding, even though they don't understand, they don't know that he can understand what they're saying because he's got a translator between them. Joseph understands what they're saying. He has to leave the room. It's so emotional for him. So here we are, seven years plus since Joseph was last made ambassador, was made uh, the prime minister. Seven years plus the time of the drought that drew uh, Jacob's family. Back to Egypt, plus the time they had to go back home and then travel back again. All these gyrations, all this time before him, it's only now that Joseph, in an emotional moment, seeing how distraught they are, he clears the room and Joseph says, I am Joseph. It's an amazing story. In the midst, you know, he doesn't do it immediately, but but it takes all this time for Joseph to to reveal who he is. So I I put it this way, Joseph allowed God's plan to move in God's time in God's way. Dan had some questions, I think, when you, you taught the discipleship class. People were wondering, why didn't Joseph reach out to his family when he was a slave? And I think there's some real issues of whether a slave could call home, if you will, or send a note home, or in prison, whether he could. But for seven years, Joseph is the prime minister of Egypt. And and there's no question that Joseph is busy during this time, but there's also no question that during this time, Pharaoh would have given this man, he gave ultimate authority to, the ability to send a, a messenger to his home to bring his brothers and his family home. But for seven plus years, Joseph does nothing but wait. And then when the brothers show up, there, there's all these accusations. And can I be honest with you? There's been times I've struggled with this portion of Scripture trying to figure out what Joseph... Has anybody else ever tried to figure out why is Joseph takes so long? Why, why does he take his brother through this, through this process? You know, he, he puts them... And it depends on your translation. Your translation may say he puts them in prison... He accuses them of being spies. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think this is pretty typical behavior when you have these strangers coming to the Pharaoh's court. For, for Joseph to be precautious would, would be something they would expect of him. And when they use the word prison, probably the better translation is custody. In other words, Joseph was watching and keeping these, these strange bearded guys that came from who knows where under watch but but why the delay why why the the process see I think it's because he wasn't rushing through the process of his circumstances Dallas Willard writes hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day and I think that's true And I think when Dallas Willard's talking about that, he's primarily talking about how busy we are and how we don't have any space for hearing from God. We don't have any space for relationships of any type, even even our earthly relationships, even our relationships with our kids and our spouse and our family and our friends. we, We We are so busy that oftentimes we have no space. We're so hurried. We're so rushed. We don't have space to hear from anyone else, let alone God. We don't have space for his word. We don't have space for prayer. We don't have space for any of these things. But on another level, I think there's this attitude, this expectation that we can rush through the circumstances of our life. We want answers, and we want them now, right? <laughs> you know, and sometimes we're like that with God in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's like, God, why don't you answer me right now? We're, we're a microwave society. And we expect answers quick. Stan Toller, who's a former general superintendent, wrote a book and he called it this: God never has failed me, but he sure scared me to death a few times. <laughs> and I think all of us have lived that. That you know, there's been times in our life where it doesn't seem like God's timetable and God's movement is what we would expect. And God moves in mysterious ways. Amen. <laughs> And God moves at his own timing, and his own clip, and it's not always what we expect. But I think it's fair to say that Joseph, if this seven years teaches us anything, if this seven years as prime minister teaches us anything, it teaches us that Joseph was not going to hurry through his unwanted expectations and was not going to force his preconceived notion of what he believed needed to happen so what does this teach us what, what do we learn from joseph what somebody tell me uh, what's a synonym something you put on toast right what's a Sit synonym, sy- synonym somebody tell me similar word an antonym is opposite okay good good class good there'll be a test on this later what is an antonym give me some antonyms for hurry slow Say it loud. Wait. What was the other one? Procrastinate. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, that's a one way to look at it. What's some s- antonyms for hurry? Class. What? Rest. Okay, that's a good one. Pause. Here's some I've got. Deliberate. Careful. Oh, I've got them up there. Good, I'll, I'll read there. Methodical, meditative, reflective. And of those words, all of them would work in, in what we're talking about here, I believe. But, but I like the word reflective. And Reflective is an adjective, and it's, a, it's based on the word reflect, which has the meaning to think, ponder, or meditate. And I think this is a good description of Joseph in, in the midst of these circumstances. And, and I would put it like this, we should move through unwanted circumstances, and, you know, perhaps you could take, as a matter of fact, you can't take unwanted, you should move through life in a reflective manner. Whatever circumstance you're going through, we should move through it in a way in which we're pondering our circumstances, we're paying attention to what's going on around us. And I think this is particularly true when we're moving through unwanted, unexpected, unforeseen circumstances. This ideal of being alert to what's going on around us. I have some questions to ask yourself. And they're in your notes, but uh, let me just expound on them just a little bit. Number one, how is God moving me to maturity in this circumstance? what I 'm going through right now, how is what is God growing in me in this circumstance? You know we raise our kids and to raise our kids to maturity means what they're on their own right <laughs> I'm raising Dylan to get rid of him, okay God I love you Dylan uh, but 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 I'm raising Dylan with the ideal and and this is easier, I think. <laughs> When you say these things, it always sounds sexist, and somebody will always challenge me on this. It seems like it's easier for men to do this than women at times. <laughs> There's that tension. But we're raising our kids for independence, right? To buy their own gas and car. Amen? But it's different with God. When God is raising us to maturity, Oftentimes, he's not raising us to independence, but dependence on him. That in the circumstances of life, God's desire for you is not that you become independent from him, but you become more dependent, more trusting in God. So so how is this circumstances? How is God moving me to maturity? And you could probably put dependence, trust, faith in the circumstances. How is God moving in the life of those around me in this circumstance? I think this gives us a different lens to look at Joseph's actions. See, I think it's easy to look at Joseph, and I've looked at Joseph in this way, in that he's struggling with what to do with these brothers, that there's this deep-seated anger in Joseph, or there's this this resentment, and, and that somehow Joseph is struggling with what to do with these guys that beat him up, threw him in a pit, and sold him into slavery. But I think that's to misunderstand Joseph. I think the Joseph we see in this story is a mature Joseph, who has placed his complete trust in God and faith in God and sees how God can move in any circumstance, and, and I don't think he's struggling with this at all, but, but I do believe that Joseph has seen how adversity has affected his life, and he realizes that just a little bit of adversity, of adversity sorry, it's easy for me to say, right? A little adversity in the life of his brothers is not a bad thing that somehow as they're moving through the circumstances of uncertainty, it is an opportunity, and maybe I'm spiritualizing too much. I don't think I am. That This custody and having to sort out all these things is an opportunity for them to grow in their maturity. You know, so, sometimes in unwanted circumstances, let, let's use our kids as an example. When my boys are going through hardship and difficult things in their life. As a father, what I want to do, I want to rescue them, right? You know, I want to take them out of it. I want to solve their problems. I want this problem-free existence for my boys. But truthfully, that doesn't lead to any maturity in their life. And as people around you are are struggling with unwanted circumstances, often this is an opportunity for growth in their life and your life. So how's God moving in the life of others does this circumstance allow me an unexpected way to serve others are there people that you're coming into contact with because of this circumstance that otherwise you would never know or never have an opportunity to serve you know, Joseph saw it in this way. His brothers come to him after, after uh, Jacob's dad and say, hey, you know, before dad died, <laughs> very convenient, before dad died, he said, you need to forgive us, right? And, and Joseph says something to the effect, well, let me just read scripture. He says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. In other words, Joseph looks at the circumstance and says, You know, this, this isn't just about you and me. This isn't about you bowing down to me that, that, or dad bowing down to me or even my position. God has given, used this circumstance so I could be here to save many people from starving to death. So, so has God placed this circumstance? In this circumstance, is there someone or some people, is it giving you a voice? that you wouldn't have otherwise. So a lady in, at Trenton that, that I ministered to, that she, she had a Zoe Zoe, uh, when she was born. They knew she wasn't going to live but a few days or a few hours. And So the baby was born, and we expected that, and, and they went through that. You, you can imagine the emotion of giving up that baby and, and as she passed uh, the, the emotional uh, journey that they were on. And, but, but after this, Rachel began to minister where her hurt was, and began to be part of those support groups. And, And I've watched as she has grown in Christ, you know, still struggles emotionally with the loss of that baby, but she has served uniquely because of the experience of her life. Is God giving you an opportunity to serve that otherwise, a voice that otherwise you wouldn't have? And finally, how is God creatively and uniquely working his will in this circumstance? Can you imagine the youthful mind of, of Joseph? When, when he had that first vision, that first dream of his brothers bowing to, down to him, it, it would have probably been very small compared to what God was planning to do, right? You know, Joseph's thinking, oh, you know, here I am and... and, and, and Palestine and you know God's going to have it my brothers just kind of think real favor of me but but God had this mind in his mind of Joseph being prime minister of Egypt and saving many lives and see this this is the point of it all if if you haven't heard anything we've else we've said in this series it's not about finding my way but God's way right (laughs) That's the point of life you know, it's not about getting my way, it's about finding God's way. It's not about my will, but God's will. And as as followers of Christ, as Jesus followers, as as people who are disciples of Jesus Christ, that's the whole ideal of finding God's will and living in the midst of God's will. But see sometimes we get stuck in our way and the way we want things to work out and and, and I got to tell you when we get stuck in our will and our way many times we miss the beauty and the significance and the uniqueness and the creativity of God's way and God's will so it's possible to miss the wonder of what God's trying to do My plans are smaller than God's plans Your plans, (laughs) our plans, anything that we can plan or imagine is less than what God has in mind for you and I. Now, there's scripture that says that, and we'll we'll skip down again to verses 20 and 21. Mary, it says... Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to, according to his power that is work, at, at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine. God's plan is creatively Powerfully, significantly better than any plan that we can have in our own life. Joseph lived that. My wife Terry's not here today because um, uh, my our niece Heather is having their baby Grace dedicated. So Terry's down at Countryside Nazarene, and and it reminded me as I was thinking about Grace being dedicated dedicated less than just a little bit less than two years ago. Heather had a stillborn baby. And, uh, you know, very traumatic, very difficult thing for them to walk through. And I've, I've watched Heather walk through this. And, and, and Heather's kind of been, is one of my faith heroes. Uh, Heather was saved through email with a youth pastor <laughs> in her room. She went to a youth service. And Terry and I used to bring her to church. Her dad wasn't going at that time. So we'd take her. And so she went to a youth service. And, you know, they're talking about all this relationship stuff. And she had never heard anything about that. And so she emailed Nathan Schwartz, who was the youth pastor, and said, hey, I don't understand any of this. Because she was afraid to do it in the midst of everybody else. She felt like she was missing something. And and he led her to Christ through email in her living room (laughs) or in her bedroom. And so... Uh, heather 's been kind of a, an amazing person to watch in faith as she grows because she 's got this great faith, and so they asked me to do the, this funeral for for them for the baby and in the midst of preparing for Addie's uh, funeral I, I, I just happened to glance at my my mother my grandmother 's autobiography and and you know she she shares good things and bad things, but my, my grandma Moore had fourteen kids, and I said, "Oh, poor grandma Moore, right um, Four of them died near birth or within a year of birth. And every time one of her kids would die, she would, she would write, Another rose in the master's bouquet. <laughs> That's what she'd say every time. But the last one that, that, that passed away, she wrote, Another rose in the master's bouquet. The Lord gives. The Lord take, takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And i got to tell you, every time I think about that phraseology and the connection of what is an awful loss, it gives me chills. Because, see, that's who we're meant to be. We're, we're meant to be people that when circumstances are good, blessed be the name of the Lord. When circumstances aren't so good, we're supposed to be people who say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Joseph. Joseph lives this life with that kind of faith you know it's it's not perfect circumstances or even understanding our circumstances because the truth of the matter even though we've went through this series some of you still have some hard times that quite frankly you're just gonna have to continue to deal with and sometimes sometimes those things will come to a full in our life and we'll have an understanding we'll look back and say oh man god was at work in that but but sometimes we'll go through our life and it won't be till we're in heaven folks that we understand circumstances uh, a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the series we invited you to to write those real difficult things you're dealing with on a piece of cloth you guys remember doing that and people came up and you know some were short and some were real long and and I said we were going to use those later well what I what we did Mary and her ladies you see this quilt in the front hidden within these quilt is all those fabrics you wrote on uh, they're, they're completely hidden by the cross. You, you don't see them from the inside. Uh, on the inside you have a, a red. And you have a cross on this side. That's going to hang on the back wall for, for a little while. I don't know. It'll, it probably won't hang there forever. But for a while it will hang there. And, 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 and it represents this. When, I, when you see the cross, <laughs> I want you to realize that your life, your circumstances, the things you're struggling with are hidden in Christ Jesus. You know, we don't always have the answers. We don't always work things out in our time, in our way. But we can believe that God is bigger than our circumstances. The God that would send his son to die on a cross on our behalf, to raise him from the dead so that we can have life. We can believe, we can trust, we can be moved towards maturity and faith in the midst of difficult circumstances if we allow him to move us in that way. We're going to close today just with a time of of prayer we're going to close with scripture and then amy's going to come we're going to sing the song we sang it's it's noon if if we go long enough you'll you'll be eating after everybody else in town so it's okay right If we go till like one o'clock it'll just be the pentecostal people coming in that late, so you'll be fine you'll be able to get a table but uh look can we take five minutes and just spend some time in prayer as she sings this song i'm gonna read scripture and here's what i'm gonna invite you to i'm not i'm gonna have you stand uh but I'm going to invite you, encourage you. Maybe there's a circumstance you're dealing with. Maybe things are great. Maybe you just need to give God praise. Maybe things are going so good that you're starting to lean towards self-dependence. And you just need to be reminded, God, I need to be faithful. I need to trust you. So I'm going to read scripture, and then Amy's going to sing this song. I, I, I got to tell you, I just, she sent it to me this week. This is the fourth time I've heard it. This morning, and it moves me every time, the waves and the winds still know his name. Let me read scripture. And we know that God causes all things, all things, the good things, the bad things, the things you didn't want to happen, the things that you were waiting for, the things that you were hoping for, all the things that happen in your life. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. As she sings this, I invite you to spend some time in prayer, then I'll close this in prayer. Stand with me, if you will. Our Heavenly Father, help us to see. Not with eyes that um, simply desire what we want, but may we see with the eyes of children, the eyes of faith, Trusting you, Lord, in circumstances that are good and circumstances that are bad. In the unexpected and the ex- expected. Lord, may we be like Joseph, that, um, who is able to see something beyond his will and his way. But depend on you fully for the completion of his journey. Lord, as I stand before this congregation, I realize that there's some that are going through f- some dark times. And, and truthfully, Lord, emotionally, the struggle's real. It's not some make-believe thing or something that we can just wish away. But it's a day-to-day struggle. So Lord, I pray that we as the community of faith will stand next to each other to such an extent in such a way that we can be faithful no matter what we're going through. And Lord, as we're faithful to you, we'll be able to see your your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy. And like Joseph At some point, we'll be able to stand and say, it looked like bad, but God used it for good. And we'll rejoice in that hope today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.